Hello and welcome to GPS, the Gamer Pros Show. It's the official podcast of GamerPros.co. You are joining us for episode 66, so thank you for tuning in. My name is Ben Eberly, and today I'm accompanied, as always, by my co-host, Jordan Aslett. Hello, hello, Ben. How are you? Not too bad. Welcome, Jordan. And we also want to welcome a special guest, our editor-in-chief, Brandon Bowie. So welcome, Brandon, to the show. First time in a while. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, you guys, for having me on today. Now, Brandon, you are on the show to talk all about the E3 convention floor because you were there with your fourth E3. Is that correct? Yep, that is. Number four. So uh, what did you think of the show? We, we covered the press conferences, uh, the previous two episodes uh, at length. So if you haven't listened to those yet, go back and, and check those out. But Brandon, I, actually, before we even get into the show floor, I kind of wanted to get your impression of the press conferences. Now, which ones did you watch on stream? Because you were in L.A. And which ones did you go to in person? So the ones that I went to in person were Microsoft and Sony. The ones that I watched on stream were Bethesda, Nintendo, and Square Enix. Actually, EA too. So basically everything else that wasn't like an in-person I ended up watching on stream. Yeah, it's, it actually it kind of seems like that's really the way to do it now, especially after that Sony conference, right? Mm-hmm, that Sony conference. I got quite a bit, I can say, on that, actually. <laughs> yeah, before we get into that, I, I want to talk Microsoft because this is the first year in a while that it hasn't been at the Galen Center. It's been at, it was at the, what, the Microsoft Theater, right? It's actually the other way around. So for the past couple of years, it was over at USC at the Galen Center. And this year, they put it right across the street from the Convention Center at the Microsoft Theater on LA Live. Yeah. So how was that? It was a better venue because we, I went to the Galen Center twice. Well, the venue, I mean, the venues were just about the same. I mean, it's as usual, the Wi-Fi is kind of miserable. But I think that once we actually got inside, the venue was a lot better. Because when I was out there trying to wait for everything, it was hot. I mean, the sun was beating down on our heads. It was it was a little bit miserable trying to get into the show. But once the show actually started, it was really nice. Cool. Well, I thought Microsoft had a really strong showing. And Jordan... In comparison to like the previous two years, I mean, I think this is definitely the best Microsoft. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it was cool last year, the hardware and stuff that was demoed. But this year, it was, they were so focused on, I feel like, the future and the stuff that was coming in the future for Microsoft that it felt kind of refreshing compared to previous years and previous Microsoft conferences. Yeah, absolutely. It, it seems like, I don't know if this came across in the convention, Brandon, but watching at home and covering the news from uh, from re- remote location, it seemed like this was really, if there's one year of E3 to miss, which Jordan and I both missed this year, it seemed like maybe this was the one as it was kind of, it's kind of a transitional year. We're kind of like, yeah. there's a ton of games that are, probably in development for next-gen consoles, and then they're kind of just finishing out this gen for the next two or three years. So did that come across in the show floor as well? That actually did the show floor. So on the show floor itself, as far as, like, exhibitors were concerned, it definitely you can feel a little bit more emptiness this year. Like, West Hall was a lot... There was, there was a lot more room in the back to actually just, like, do things. They, like, kind of, like, have, like, meeting tables rather than actual exhibits. And when you go to South Hall, it's kind of the same way as well. It felt like it was definitely a lot quieter this year. But um, as far as, you know, like the actual show floor itself, I mean, it just felt, I don't even know how to say it properly. Like, just trying to voice it. It just felt there was something missing this year. I guess that's the best way to put it. Was it Microsoft? (laughs) 
Because they they were they didn't have a thing, right? They were across the street. Yeah. So they did, did have, you, it was uh, their their exhibit was actually across the street. So. Yeah. So yeah. did did you go there? Uh, Microsoft Live, I was actually unable to. I tried getting an appointment, but I just was stuck on the main show floor for the rest of the time. Yeah, so I can never tell the difference between West and South Hall, right? I can never remember. But, um, yeah, I mean, it seems like Sony even didn't have as much stuff. It seemed like a lot of people who were on the floor were saying, like, there's kind of, like, this big Sony booth and then this big empty area where, like, yeah. The rest the rest of it used to be, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sony was a little I mean Sony still had games, but I didn't feel like I felt like there was a lot more it, it, there was a lot more walking space this year for Sony. That's just that's for sure. Yeah. Well, how are the lines? Oh gosh, if you're playing for a Nintendo game, good luck with that, but for everything else it wasn't bad at all. A lot of consumers there. It's still like, so, st- so the good still thing like, about this year was, uh, so I don't know if you guys kept in touch with this, but they had a, um, there was an industry hours kind of thing. And so basically there were a couple hours on the show floor where it would just be, and basically everybody that actually is affiliated with the industry. So, you know, exhibitors, press, and, you know, like the kind of like, I'd say like the kind of like the executives within the industry you know those people get to go onto the show floor first for a couple of hours before before the general public opens and it was in those hours that a lot of my really good stuff happened to take place i think that's got to be the way it's going right i mean we we might even see in the future just days where it's industry and media members before it opens up to consumers so that actual coverage of the event can happen unburdened by you know the lines and kind of the congestion that comes from just welcoming all the bodies that are eager to see all the stuff that goes on but that kind of causes the lack of coverage since it's you know it's primarily a media and press event yeah and what what do you think was the highlight of everything like was it worth the trip because I mean, obviously, I didn't go this year, but it kind of seemed like, like I said earlier, it seemed like it was the year to skip. And from what I, from the demos that they were showing, it would have been cool to um, play some of these Sony games and play, um, well, Cyberpunk, if you could do it, I assume it was probably <laughs> pretty hard to get into, right? Yeah, definitely. Sure you, you Cyberpunk tried, right? was one of the, Cyberpunk there, everything that they did was behind closed doors. Right. Well, that's that's where most of the action happens. Did you end up having a lot of behind closed doors demos? I did. I did for Nintendo. That's cool. Um, and uh, yeah, did you did you, so you played Smash Bros too? I did. I played basically every game on. I played every game that Nintendo had to offer. I didn't see any um, like pictures or articles about Nintendo's booth because last year. We they had the New Donk City booth, and before that yes. they had the Zelda booth, and they were like big articles and a lot of coverage about that. What did mm-hmm. they actually do? Because I didn't even see anything. So for this year, they focused a lot more on the um, what is that game? It's the you know the Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. They had a big they had a big exhibit for that, and they had a really big kind of like a competition stage for the new Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Huh, and yeah. Reggie was up there and stuff too. Uh, Reggie, I did not see personally on the show floor. I think he might have been more doing the behind closed doors type stuff. But this year, they definitely had a lot. It was it, it looked like a lot more like a competition type stage rather, which is what they were trying to do. Is they had this. So for their Super Smash demo, they had a casual kind of like a casual just gameplay thing, and then they had a 
for glory competition, which is where you actually go up and compete on that live stage itself. Huh. So yeah. it, it seemed like there wasn't really too much like exclusive, really fascinating stuff to me because the way that I see it, Smash Bros is is Smash Bros is obviously gonna be better, more refined than previous entries, but I don't know that I would need to see that on the show floor to really get yeah. sold on it, right? Yeah. Yeah, especially because kind of the big selling point of Smash Bros. this year is it's just bringing everything together, all the stuff that you already know and love about it and putting it all in that same package. Um, and that's kind of just all Nintendo this year at E3. It's just all stuff that we know and all stuff that we love before, not a whole lot of new stuff. Yeah. And I got to get your input on the live stream, Brandon, the Nintendo conference itself. I, 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 I thought it was a pretty weak showing this year. Jordan, what, what did you think about it? Last year, for sure, it was, it was a lot better because, I mean, we had Zelda, we had Mario, we had all these big hitters. This year, I mean, it was just 30 minutes alone with Smash Brothers and trying to sell people on this ultimate edition of Super Smash Brothers, which was cool. Um, I enjoyed that for sure, but they had a lot of kind of smaller stuff that just you know wasn't wasn't a big deal to me like uh, damon damon makina the the mech one just a lot of things that didn't really seal the deal for me so i yeah it was an okay show but it didn't really instill my faith that nintendo's going to keep up the momentum that they had last year going forward this year yeah well i thought that last year they showed the Pokemon console game or they let us know it was happening and then they showed us the logo for Metroid Prime 4 and I think the Yoshi game too, right? Yes. And they didn't even touch on that stuff at all this year. It, it's almost as if they... Sh- because they had Zelda and Mario last year, yeah, uh, which would be the Zelda DLC and the Mario Odyssey presentation, they really should have saved that Metroid Prime 4 announcement for like this year and the pokemon stuff and all that because they didn't even really get into that much pokemon at all this year it was pretty much just smash so i actually do understand a lot of their logic on that as far as the metroid prime 4 stuff goes the yoshi game i'm not exactly sure what happened there they seem to have definitely dropped the ball on that but i did read an interview that reggie fizeme gave to i think it was polygon or the verge it was one of the two but he mentioned specifically that for Metroid Prime 4, the only reason they unveiled it so early like that was because the Nintendo Switch was still less than a year old and they wanted people to get excited about the console, to say it shortly. You know, say it, to kind of summarize that, he wanted to make sure that people were excited going forward about the Nintendo Switch, and he definitely got that last year. So the fact that it didn't really make an appearance this year, I mean, it's understandable, but, I mean, it's just the way it is. That's true. Last year was kind of Nintendo's break back into the industry to get people to remember Nintendo as another of the big player. You know, it's not just Sony, it's not just Microsoft. Nintendo's also one of the big three in the industry, and last year was their chance to really get back into it. So they're pulling all the big cards last year, where this year they don't have quite as many of those big announcements, or the, you know, the announcements they made last year aren't as far in development that they can show them, much more than the logo that they teased last year. Yeah, I thought I thought that Super Smash Bros. Ultimate should have had its own live stream, but I guess that's really all they had to unveil this year. Um, and 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 like like we said on the last week's episode when we talked about Nintendo, it seems like Nintendo 
they really are doing their own thing, not only as the console and games themselves, but in terms of how they reveal their content. Like when they have a big reveal, they can just schedule a live stream at any point in the year and people are going to show up, you know, and that that's really how they do it. Um, and, and but this this sort of felt more like that. It seems like Nintendo don't put as much stock into E3 and they don't blow all their big announcements the way that Microsoft and certainly Sony and Ubisoft do. Um, it seems like they really they're like, you know, we have our own system. We can we can do a live stream anytime. We can show a presentation at any point in the year and people are going to show up and it seems to work. And yeah. And that's like a little mini E3 some some point in in yeah. another part of the year. So <laughs> that's always something. Yeah. Um, we're going to be talking about E3 pretty much the whole episode. We do have a little bit of news, but I, I forgot to talk about this at the top of the show. We want to congratulate uh, Sanya Ahmed for... Um, she's been with us for just over a year now at Gamer Pros, and she just got promoted to a member of the executive staff as social media manager. So we wanted to uh, congratulate her. She's been a guest on the show a number of times, and uh, we just couldn't be happier to have her on the team. And we haven't had a new member of the executive staff in in quite a while. So certainly her effort throughout E3 was astounding, I thought. Um, Brandon, you're the one who made the official promotion since you Mm -hmm. are the the boss. Yes. I think this was a long time coming personally. She's done a lot of good work for us in the past and she really tries to make a genuine effort to get to be to be a team player. And I think that kind of effort needs to be rewarded. Yeah. And now she's on staff. And hopefully we'll get her on the podcast a little bit more. We're gonna try to have a few more guests once in a while. So you don't have to just hang out with me and Jordan all the time, right? <laughs> uh, even though you love it, you, you love both of us. But yeah, we like to show more people on the website because everyone does a lot of really good work. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's um, let's move on. There's not really too much news this week, but I want to talk about this Microsoft and Nintendo sort of uh, cross-promotion thing that you've probably seen on your social media feeds, particularly on Twitter and on YouTube. Did you guys check this out where they're kind of they're collaborating? Oh, I did, and the shade is real. Oh, on Sony? Yeah. Yeah, well, that that's another issue. All right, so like last week... During their press conference, Nintendo revealed that Fortnite was going to be available on Switch right now, and it was, and I played it, and I downloaded Did you guys download it, by the way? Not uh, a huge Fortnite person, personally. Same. Well, if you ever want to jump in and play, I'm, I'm there with you. It is free. Um, yeah, so Nintendo have it on Switch now, which is really great, and... You can carry. I played on Xbox, so I carried over my Epic account to Switch, and all my um, my cosmetics were there. Just kidding, I don't have any, but I could, and my level was there and everything. Um, so I can seamlessly move between the two. But people are really angry at Sony right now because they just don't have. Um, they just won't. They won't play ball with this. They won't let their anything that you purchase in in PlayStation. It won't transfer over to mobile to xbox or to switch so people are really upset about that there's a big call on demand for sort of reworking that and making that happen but sony they revealed an official statement like a couple days ago and they basically said (laughs) uh in so many words they basically said we're on top 
uh, and we don't have a desire to do that, like basically they were telling us like if you want to play Fortnite on Sony, you're only going to be playing it on Sony. So um, I can understand the position, and they certainly don't have to play ball with any other publisher with any other uh, developer uh, companies, but. Um, it would certainly be goodwill, don't you think? Uh, Jordan, I want to get your input on this because cross-platform has been something that we've talked about in the past on the show, and it's a really great thing. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Should Sony be sort of petitioned to make these changes, or do they have every right to 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 lock their stuff on their platform? Well, I mean, as, as a company, of course, it's their right, but... I mean, since the days of, I mean, Destiny 1, when cross-platform was really being talked about, Sony was always kind of the problem in that conversation. They were the ones that were real, always kind of holding up you know, the ability for Xbox and PC and everyone really to, you know, to do cross-platform. I think adding Nintendo to the picture, Nintendo being another, you know, developer, publisher that wants to do cross-platform makes it a little bit tricky because now Sony really is the only one in the industry that's unwilling to do this. And so they're getting a lot of flack for it. I think with increasing pressure, eventually they'll come around for it and the move, you know, with Microsoft and, and Minecraft, which I'm sure we'll get into here in just a little bit, um, gaining a lot of traction on social media with people, I think is going to pressure Sony into eventually doing this. But I mean, they're absolutely on top like they say and if, if they refuse to do it that's every right of theirs as a business but i think it's unwise to not give you know their consumers and their base what they want yeah i don't think it's going to make them lose any money or any sales or any fan base necessarily like lose them but i think i think some of the goodwill is uh is not there it seems and so it's a little bit frustrating for people who want to play with um, other platforms and play with their friends who are on other platforms and things like that. So that's that's really something to consider. Um, Brandon, do you want to weigh in on this? Like, do you think Sony should play ball here, or do you understand their point of view? I under personally, I understand their point of view on what they're trying to get to here. I mean, because they're a business first and foremost. But I think that eventually, I basically with the whole social media outcry that's been going on with them, I think they're going to have to cave eventually. Right, it is it is bad press. They are getting some bad press. They're not necessarily doing anything wrong, but it's just like it just looks scummy. I mean, that's what it looks like. But as far as they're concerned, I think they're a business and they have every right to do that. I mean, as much as it sucks to say that, I think they have every right to do that. Yeah, they definitely do. It was just it's just not very uh, user friendly in my eyes. That's all. Yeah, definitely, it's true. Yeah, when you think about like the big complaint that people have with Sony. It's crossplay, right? I mean, I can't think of a bigger issue that a lot of people have with Sony platforms. If you think back to when the Xbox One was going to release, um, how Xbox or Microsoft wanted the Xbox to be online all the time, um, there were concerns about the Kinect spying on people, things like that. Microsoft did a complete 180, got rid of all of that stuff, and won back public opinion. And now Xbox and Microsoft are really revered as being the company that is trying to do what gamers want them to do besides, I mean, develop good first-party games, but that's besides the point. I mean, they've really won back a lot of, you know, public opinion. I think Sony would be smart to do something similar, look at the situation as a way to continue to build the good faith of their fan base and show them that really they're a company for their consumers and not just a company that's trying to make money 
um, you know, and, and build more of a negative reputation in a similar way that EA has with loot boxes and try and dig out of the hole that they've already dug. Yeah. I think Sony would be smart to, you know, build up instead of try and, you know, build up after they've dug down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well, I think about this because I'm thinking about the future. I'm thinking about five, ten years into the future. It's hard to imagine a gaming world now where Sony isn't really on top in terms of the exclusives that they're putting out. They really do have the best exclusive, the highest budget exclusives and the most beautiful games and um, a lot of really creative different stuff. Um, I I don't think there's really much question about that. Nintendo has its own unique thing, but Mm -hmm. um, it's not on the same level i think as sony i I think sony really have quote-unquote won this generation i think we're going to look back on the ps4 era and it's really going to be something that we all remember fondly especially if you're kind of growing up during this time you know that'll be their nostalgia the same way that ncc4 and snes is nostalgic for us yeah um but i i just think about that goodwill that they could be giving their player base um, and how that could affect them in the future. Because like I said, it is hard to imagine where where Sony aren't on top, but you don't know next, next PS five generation. They could not, they could have exhausted most of their exclusives. They could not be producing the same quality and numbers that they are this generation. And it might, the tables might turn. You might see Microsoft sort of take the lead as we saw with, Xbox 360. I think X- Xbox 360 was such a success last generation, and, and if, if you remember, it was a while ago, the PS3 was really lagging behind, and there really wasn't much goodwill for Sony. So, I I think if if Sony aren't willing to play ball um, and, and do cross-platform stuff, which I feel they're just delaying the inevitable, I'm not sure if that's 100% true, but I would imagine that Next generation, we will, for the most part, have cross-platform play because there is such a push for it that I think their hand is going to be forced. And people may remember that they didn't want to uh, to share the field the same way um, this generation. So you, you never know about <laughs> about uh, what could happen. But anyway, uh, Microsoft and Nintendo, they've really been pushing their cross-play advertisement uh, on social media, they have a YouTube uh, video that shows uh, it's like a the screen is divided in half. One side is red with Switch, and one side is green with Xbox. And it's like play anywhere, play with each other, sort of thing. And and they're they seem to be mostly promoting Minecraft, right? So this Minecraft thing now, Jordan, you might know the answer to this. Is this cross? This is cross platform, right? Yeah. So you can jump. So if I'm on Switch and you're on Xbox, I can jump into your world and you can jump into mine, and we can build together on two different platforms, right? Yeah, that's my understanding. Are there really many games that do this? Rocket mm-hmm. League, right? Yeah, I know Rocket League are the, there are a handful of them for sure. Um, it's this is going to be the flagship, though. I think Minecraft has always been kind of the flagship for things like this. We're going to see way more cross-platform stuff happening. I mean, Minecraft's the biggest game in the world, right? Oh, yeah, easily. And now, now I know that you can cross-save your like cosmetics and stuff. Can you play... Is Fortnite cross-platform? Because I know you can play Xbox versus mobile and PC, 
But can you do Xbox versus Switch too? On Fortnite, you mean? On Fortnite, is it is it there yet? Oh, I'm not sure. Honestly, you would know a little bit more about that than I would. Yeah, I guess I'm the um, casual Fortnite player here. I don't even really play that much, but I do play somewhat consistently. Um, yeah, so if they're doing that, I mean, Fortnite and Minecraft, these are the two biggest games in the world, and mm. and Sony's not playing with them. Um, but they are, like you said, Brandon, they are really kind of throwing some shade at this social media-wise, right? Yeah, definitely. And somebody made, like... Um, uh, like a, a Sony thing it's a, where it's like one blue square and it says like playing alone is better or something. Yeah, no, I saw that actually. <laughs> I can't remember. I, I ruined it. it. It was much better than what I just said. But um, but anyway, there's this YouTube commercial also where it shows people playing cross-platform on Switch and, and Xbox and it they, they seem to be focused like all on fun and having a good time and playing together and we see clips of People playing on both consoles, whether it was an Xbox controller, whether it's with Joy-Cons or that Nintendo yeah. Pro controller, um, they're just having a great time, and that's sort of the way that they're pushing this. Um, and like I said, they were Sony was under a little bit of media fire last week, and now it's like Microsoft and and Nintendo are are throwing a little bit of shade also. Um, and and also they did this thing on Twitter where. Nintendo was like, hey, uh, Microsoft, you want to build something together in Minecraft? And then Xbox like tweeted back, like, sure, let's let's hop on or something. It's like pretty cheesy, but also kind of cool, sort of heartwarming. Our bodies are Reggie. Oh, yeah, he said that. He said our, our um, Microsoft said that, right? Our bodies yeah, are ready. Like, our bodies are ready. What, what do you want to build or something? Yeah, that's that's cool. A little inside joke there. Um, all right, before we move into... Brandon, getting your impressions of what you saw, I want to talk a little bit about Hollow Knight because this was revealed um, to be out now on Switch during the Nintendo press conference last week, which I was really excited about um, because I've been wanting to play Hollow Knight for a while. Um, now that it's available on Switch, I downloaded it that day. Um, it's it's great. I mean, it's a, it's a really dark-themed uh, Metroidvania, and Metroidvania is one of my favorite game genres and this had a lot of traction on the pc you got a lot of good reviews and high praise and it's only 15 bucks so i actually recommend this for you jordan i think you'd really enjoy it hollow Knight. have you looked into it at all um just right now and the little bit that i'm seeing it uh from the nintendo direct yeah yeah it, it's great um uh, so it is a pretty hard core metroidvania and i guess you can spend dozens of hours i think i'm about 15 hours in and it really is very open there isn't really too much of a linear path um there's like loose stuff but obviously areas are gated by uh, your abilities and things and you go back and that's really the heart and soul of a metroidvania but this game seems to have even more freedom than something like symphony of the night or super metroid uh or even ori in the blind forest um, so it's a game that I heard a lot of people praise, and uh, obviously, like we always say, Switch is, of course, the perfect place. I've actually been mostly playing it in bed um, on the handheld mode, just so I don't even have to uh, go upstairs after I'm done playing. I just turn the light off and, and go right to bed, and I'm really enjoying that, and it's it's a side-scroller, so it's, it's great. Um, so it takes place be- beneath the town of hollow nest which is like this really dark sort of abandoned 
place and you play as like i guess you're like an insect and you wield this melee weapon which they call an old nail and it has like very single swipe sort of combat combat takes a little bit of getting used to and you literally jump into like this well which is a hole in the ground um to get to like the main area of the game so it does have a very like descending sort of spooky grimy feel um but yeah, yeah. You say combat takes a little bit of getting used to. I feel like a lot of people say that um, with like a kind of a spoonful of salt. Does it feel good after you get used to it? Or is it always kind of this thing that sucks, but you just deal with it? I like it. I think that it's very simple. It's like the most simple you could possibly be. Like you just press um, X, I guess, or I can't remember on the on the. Uh, the switch but you you just press the attack button and it's just one swipe there's no combos there's no um really blocking or anything it's just it's just dodging and swiping one hit um and it takes usually like two or three hits for most standard enemies to kill them and you sort of bounce back if you get hit and you bounce back if you hit them too so there's like a little bit of getting used to that where it's like if you're on a ledge and you attack an enemy you're going to bounce back a little bit because of the impact because you're like a small character so that's uh, that was actually kind of cool i like that so you do have to worry about like falling off the edge sometimes which i know can frustrate some people um and there is like a souls like uh aspect to the game where it's like you know there's no really leveling up you can collect these charms which give you new abilities which i guess can sort of be a stand in for leveling up but you collect this currency called Geo, and you use that to purchase new abilities. So that's sort of like the way that you level up. And so if you have Geo and you die, then it's like Dark Souls, where you're back at the beginning or the last place that you rested in this game. There's benches instead of bonfires. They sort of serve the same purpose. You go back to the bench that you previously sat at, and then you got to go fight your little spirit guy, which is just two hits, and then you get your Geo back, your currency back. So a little bit of risk reward stuff, but there's also like a bank that you can put your your money into, so you're not always walking around with like two thousand coins. Um, so that's kind of cool. I like the way that they implemented the souls stuff. It's like I feel like it's like a little bit of an overdone mechanic these days, but in this case, I think it was done pretty tastefully. Um, Jordan, I think you'd really like this game. I think you should play it, especially if you're going to be traveling. It might be worth picking up, um, but you bucks. gotta you gotta meet me halfway, man. You gotta play Vampire, and we gotta talk about Vampire. I know, I have it. <laughs> I, I know um, you do. I'm still at the same place. <laughs> well, actually, have you been playing it? Yeah. So oh, you're yeah yeah. Let's let's talk about it a little bit. You're um, you're liking it. I yeah, I still really am. Combat. I mean, like we always talk about, combat isn't the greatest thing it's growing on me because i've spent so much time just grinding through side quests and 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 building up my weapons and upgrading weapons so i mean encounters are a lot easier my level's a lot higher and that's making combat more fun because it's not so tedious but i mean like i mean like we've kind of covered it's not really about the combat it's about the story and it's about the people you meet and deciding what people you want to kill to make the world a better place or maybe flip side what people you want to kill to make you a stronger person and watch the world turn to chaos well i want to know how much combat is there because i like the dialogue in the game and i like the concept of the game like i like i talked about like a few weeks ago but 
the combat. I mean, how much of it is there? Um, I mean, it escalates as you go through the game. I mean, you you were what like an hour into the game before you <laughs> set it down, right? Yeah. Well, that's just because E three and stuff came up. Yeah. No, it it's pretty standard in terms of compared to other video games, how much combat there is. And the further you get into the video game, there's more combat encounters, more boss encounters or instances where you fight two bosses, things like that. So um, you never escape the combat. It's always there. You're always going to have to deal with that. So if combat is really the turnoff of the game for you, then I mean, I don't I don't have good news to report to you there. You're always going to have to deal with it. But I mean, there are ways to be better at the combat to make combat not is hard on you. Um, I mean, and that's, I think, as, as much as I hate to sound like I'm justifying an aspect of the game that's not as fun, I mean, there are things you can do, and I think that's why they make, you know, going down the evil path as enticing as it is, you know, where you can feed on one of the more, you know, the better citizens, one of the, the more pure, good citizens as a way to increase your strength because their blood quality is good and that gives you more ability to upgrade your character and become more powerful. I mean, you could always do that and just kind of let the world suffer that consequence so that you can progress in the story. You could always do that. Um, I mean, there are ways to progress. I want to know, have you had to make a really hard decision yet? Um, in terms of like who to feed on, like, did you become friends with somebody and then kill them? Not yet because I'm really, really trying not to do that, but I've been tempted a couple of times. That's really, that's why I've been stuck going back and doing these side quests and using those as the way to get stronger instead of feeding on people. But boy, I've been close because there have been instances where I just want to, you know, get further along with the story because I feel like the story is very intriguing and it's a lot of fun and it's kind of a slow burn that you just want to get through to learn more about. Um, and, and the game's always tempting you because you can always just push a button and see exactly what their blood quality is and how much you can get from them and how much stronger you can get from, you know, sucking the blood out of them. But I haven't yet. And you got to get that good blood, right? Serious. Yeah, you really do. And I mean, the criminals that you can kill that are going to make the world a better place, their blood quality just isn't as good. So you could always do that to, to get a little bit stronger, try and make the world a little bit better place. But you're not going to be as strong. And are you? Gonna, do you think you're going to finish this game? You think you're going to make it all the way? Oh yeah, I definitely am. Um, the next big game I'm looking forward to is Octopath Traveler, which doesn't come out till mid next month. So unless something else jumps out at me or I get a, a real itch to play Hollow Knight, I'm I'm definitely going to finish this one. The story is that intriguing. It's, I think it's that worth it. Huh? How many hours in are you? Oh man, I'm. I'm at a loss for that. I'm probably maybe 20, maybe that's a little low, 20 or 25. Well, that's a lot. Yeah, like I said, it's it's definitely a slow trip, but it's it's a lot of fun. All right, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to give it a go. I will. I'll try. You need to. I recommend it. I, th- I think the story is going to be what hooks you. I think you'll really enjoy it. Hey, everyone. Jordan here. Just wanted to take a second to talk about our friends at CastBox. What CastBox is is a podcast app which you can download in the Google Play Store and Apple App Store that lets you listen to your favorite podcasts, including, of course, The Gamer Professionals Show, and discover new content from a range of really great podcasters. You can download episodes to your phone storage so you don't have to stream them using your internet or wasting your precious data connection. 
CastBox showcases an impressive library of over 50 million different podcast episodes and has over 6 million downloads worldwide, and all of this is backed up by a clean and easy-to-use interface. If you are an aspiring podcaster, CastBox has simple upload from various podcast hosts, or you can even record your podcast in the app and publish it right from there. For anyone who is an avid listener of podcasts, CastBox is the perfect app for you. Be sure to jump onto CastBox and subscribe to the Gamer Professionals show. It helps us grow tremendously and is greatly appreciated. Now, on to the show. All right, um, let's let's move back into E3 discussion. Let's get Brandon. I'm putting you in the hot seat here. You ready? I am ready. Let's do it. Um, all right, what do you want to talk about first? Because you were there, what, you were on the show floor for three or four days i was there until late wednesday night how was the food the food was great <laughs> food is always great in la yeah how was the food of the convention uh <laughs> you avoided it did not try that for me when i take little vacations like that even a business trip it's all about the food it's all about what restaurant am i going to so hopefully you ate at some good places i did i definitely did for sure all right, um, let's start with Kingdom Hearts 3, because this one, oh, Jordan's a little bit bitter about this, but this one hour game of show at E3, I voted for Ghost of Tsushima on staff. Same. I you did as well, right? Brandon, what game did you vote for? for so game I, personally, I personally liked Kingdom Hearts 3 a lot. Oh, you voted for it. You're part of the problem. Get him. Well, Sorry, I guys, can't fire me. I'm a, I'm a Kingdom Hearts fan, all right? And I, I should, I just, I played one uh, for the third time in my life, like last year. Uh-huh. I, I never got around to playing 2 again, because I've only ever played 2 once when it released. I remember not liking it nearly as much as 1. Um, but I... Um, man, I want to get into Kingdom Hearts, and now it's like Kingdom Hearts 3 is finally coming out. It's holiday, right? Yeah, June, it's January 29th, I believe. Oh, man, that, that early 20, 2019 is really looking stacked, huh? Yeah, definitely. All right, so what was up? Well, first of all, I didn't like how they showed the same trailer twice. They showed it once at Square, and they showed it once at Microsoft, and then they showed a different one at Sony, right? Yes. I thought that was a little bit whack. Personally. I think that Square Enix and Microsoft should have switched their trailers around. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Well, it looks great. It's really beautiful looking. I'm mm-hmm. not. I can't say that I'm super crazy about... The world. I'm definitely not psyched about Pirates of the Caribbean coming back. That was like the weakest part of two for me. <laughs> but it looks really, really good. It does in look Kingdom Hearts three. It does look really good. It looks really good. Holy cow! And I guess you can pilot ships and stuff. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um. So what was your what was your gameplay demo like? Did you actually get hands on with it? I did. They gave us a thirty minute demo. That's pretty long. Yeah. Hour hour would be better i guess but sorry so what worlds were you in in the they put minutes? us in um they put us in the Her- in hercules world so i think it was olympus and they basically had us fight some like mountain monster and then they gave us the toy story demo oh cool how was toy story oh dude it's so nice it, it's so much fun i actually like that one a lot remember back in the late 90s when people are like one day video games are gonna look this good when they watch toy story and now the game looks better yeah, yeah, it does. Like honestly, I even just like watching the trailers and you actually play it in person, it's a different experience. It's it's, it's really different. It's it's really really well polished, especially for a demo like that. 
I think that they really spent a lot of time polishing that engine because that engine looks basically like it was ripped straight from the Pixar movie. So, did you play uh, most Kingdom Hearts games? Like, are you a big Kingdom Hearts person? Uh, see, I did one. I did Kingdom Hearts one a while back. I'm actually redoing it right now. Of you know, like in the next, I don't know, a couple weeks, I guess, just to kind of replay it again, just for kicks. I purchased. I think it was the. It's the. It's the PS4 game that has all the different Kingdom Hearts games. Yeah, the HD remix. Yes, the HD remix one. But then uh, the big one that I got into personally was Birth by Sleep on the PSP. Isn't that one not that well regarded? I actually think that one's the best one. Huh. But you haven't played two. Uh, two, I, two, I played a while back. Two, I played a while back. Alright, well, I'm gonna, I wanna play two, maybe I should try to play two, like, this week. Um, just before, um, I wanna get it in before three, cause I don't wanna, I don't wanna jump into three without yeah. two. Even though, I mean, the story's so off the rails anyway, right? It's, the story's just nuts. Yeah. Um, so, how does the combat compare? Cause it looks like they've made some changes. What I really liked about Kingdom Hearts as a kid was that, it was a pretty hardcore JRPG, but it had this kind of hack and slash action combat. Did they change it and make it a little more active, like Final Fantasy Fifteen? Because that's the way it looks to me. That's, that's exactly what I was gonna say. It's it feels a lot more like Fifteen. So it's more like you kind of give Sora a command, then he kind of does the combos for you. Uh, it's kind of like you know how in Final Fantasy Fifteen it feels like. I don't want to say button masher. That just sounds so inelegant for that. But it feels a lot more like Final Fantasy XV's combat. Yeah. Well, I like. I think actually, Kingdom Hearts One is button mashy, and that's like why I like it because it's more like sort of Devil May Cry esque. Yeah. But but now it's like a little bit more. It's like, button mashy, but more refined. I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah, it feels you're like, like definitely polished it a lot more in the past, like third years since the last mainline sequel game so cool so what was the best part of the demo were there I any mean, like wow moments or do you find any bosses or anything uh yes yeah. so the olympus demo was basically just an entire boss fight that one was very okay that one was more just kind of teaching people the ropes i guess but then the toy story one was a lot more involved and i think the best part about that experience was just seeing all those familiar characters from like the organization come back again it's just like and seeing them all in like on that new engine it's just it's a very it's it's a very wow moment especially for people that have been waiting for i think there was a guy in line that i was talking to just kind of a side story but you know when i was waiting in line for the demo it was it was a two-hour wait and i was just like oh my god that's a two-hour wait for this demo and the guy's like you know i've been waiting 13 and some years for this you know two hours isn't going to mean anything to me and i was just like geez that's that's dedication right there yeah but you're not standing for those 13 years yeah Oh, for sure. That's like what kills me. All right, you know, if you if we are uh, so you you left you left the Kingdom Hearts demo feeling pretty good about it, right? I liked it. Yeah. All right. What about Metro Exodus? You check this one out because this this game I I know that you didn't like it, but this game looked really strong to me. I thought it had a pretty strong showing in the presentation. But what was your issue with it? It was entirely probably just a case of me, A, probably just sucking really bad at the game for dying in the first place in a demo, and B, I, I, I don't know, something about the whole first person thing, it just never really, it never really clicked for me. So when I played this demo, you know, there, Deep Silver was nice enough to get me an appointment on this, and what ended up happening was, you know, I, the demo was great, I mean, it looked great, it, the controls were a bit iffy for me, I mean, 
I'm not a huge fan of games of like the control scheme because it felt like I was looking down at the instructions way too much. You know, like okay, if I hold this key down, what's it going to do? If I tap this key, what's it going to do? You know, doing that, doing that was a little bit confusing, especially on an Xbox controller. But you know, that's that wasn't the worst part of the demo for me. The worst part of the demo for me was that I felt like it just didn't work. And when I say it didn't work, was that you know I died in the demo, and it respawned me in the middle of nowhere. And this middle of nowhere gave me, I had zero weapons, I had no equipment, and I was basically fighting hordes of zombies with my bare hands and dying very, very, very quickly. And basically what ended up happening was the autosave ended up happening and it kept me stuck on this island permanently. So when I asked the representative if I can reset the demo, he says that it would take a long time to do that. And he basically got a little bit cagey and said that it wasn't good to reset the demo. So he encouraged me to explore an environment that I was going to die in repeatedly. And I just I just wasn't a fan of that. So I, yeah, I just, I didn't really know how else to proceed in the demo. Huh. Seems like, I, I didn't realize this, but you're really, you really don't play first person shooters at all, huh? Not really, no. So you're more of like an RPG guy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I knew you were an RPG guy, but I didn't know that you were not really... You don't really pay attention to what's going on in shooters, huh? Not too much, admittedly. Not too much. Huh. That's like the opposite of me. I love shooters. Yeah. Jordan, you like shooters? I'm kind of between both of you. I like first-person shooters. I like RPGs, but I'm not diehard for either side. No, I, I love RPGs, too, and I, I guess I would say that's my probably my favorite genre but I just can't pass up a good shooter, <laughs> you know? I'd be excited <laughs> for all of them. All right, well, let's let's move on to an RPG. Let's talk about Dragon Quest Eleven. This one was much more down my alley. I've played a lot of Dragon Quest games in my day, and this one is probably the most... It's a, it's a, lot, it's a very, very polished experience, even with the demo. So they gave us 15 minutes on this one, and you can basically start at the very beginning of the game, or you can start later in the game with companions, and... Who'd want to start at the beginning of the game? I mean, you're just exploring a town and literally just talking to people. So I want to get in on the action. And the action is a lot more like a... You guys remember the old school Final Fantasy games with like turn-based combat? Yeah, that's the best Final Fantasy. It's basically like that. So, you know, this is something that I was very much accustomed to. And, you know, they had a boss encounter at the end of it. And I remember the demo guy was like, oh my god, you know, not a lot of people know how to get to the boss and beat him. But I beat him very, very quickly in that demo. And, you know, that was it. I, I liked the game a lot. I think it's gonna. I think it's a great step forward because it introduces open world elements. Well, it's it's it just goes to show you have, you have what twenty plus years of playing turn based games, right? Yeah, basically, and then it kind of moves on into the whole Pokemon thing, but that's a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get into it in just a minute. But Dragon Quest is a series that I've always heard really great things about, and I am a pretty big JRPG fan. I would say Earthbound. Well, Earthbound's yeah, I would say Earthbound and Chrono Trigger are two of my favorite games ever, which are, of course, JRPGs and turn-based. Um, it, but it seems like Dragon Quest is something that's just a blind spot on my radar, but it does have a very devoted following. Not to mention, it's one of the only JRPGs left that uses uh, a traditional turn-based combat, right? Yes, yes. And like I get so bummed, I get, I don't know. I don't really care about what Final Fantasy is doing now because I really do hate the combat. And like I couldn't be less excited for Final Fantasy VII remake because it doesn't have that turn-based combat, you know? Yeah. No, definitely. Um, all right. So what about Pokemon? Now, when you said you played Pokemon, there's like three or four Pokemon games right now. So which one did you play? I played Let's Go Pikachu. 
Okay, so this is Let's Go Pikachu slash Let's Go Eevee. These games go hand in hand. And they're more like an expanded version of Pokemon Go, right? Um, I think Brandon may have stepped away. Yeah, but it seems like my understanding with them is like they've got the catching mechanics of Pokemon Go, but you can still do like battling that's more traditional turn-based battling. It almost looks like Pokemon Stadium to me, if you remember like the old Pokemon Stadium Oh, I love that game on NC4. Yeah, if you saw the demo for it, um, I mean, I watched like right after the Nintendo Direct, they've got like Nintendo Treehouse, right, where they show a lot of like gameplay and interviews with some Nintendo people. Like the battle to me reminded me of old Pokemon Stadium. Huh. Um, But but is it not... Like swiping, it's like a lot of swiping, right? Because the sounds no. Oh, actually, no. So with the demo, so with the demo, so um, when you do the wild battles are a little bit of a different thing. The wild battles, the Pokemon, they appear in the field, and you basically interact with them. And if you guys played Pokemon Go, the wild battles, you know, you you time the little circle and you throw your ball at the same time. But then when you do the actual trainer battle, it's actually like an old school trainer battle, like in the main games where you get selector moves and, you know, basically knock out the Pokemon. Well, from what I saw, this is um, sort of an expansion on Pokemon Go concept, right? Yes. Yes. So is this like, so this isn't the mainline Pokemon game that's coming to Switch next year, right? It. This isn't. They. I think this might be more considered like a spinoff, even though it takes place in the Kanto region. Yeah. So this just has 151, right? The original 151. It's the 151 and the those kind of Alolan forms, like the you know the really big Executor palm tree thing. I think that's what they're trying to go toward right now for this. Oh one. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So you walked away from it feeling pretty good about it, or? I. I mean, so. I think it's a very watered-down experience. I liked it a lot, but for me, since having played the past, like, you know, the past 20 years on these games, it's a, I feel like it's a step down. Even though I completely understand what they're try- the audience they're trying to pull in for this is, you know, I don't think that for me this is going to be a game that's going to have a lot of longevity. I found that the demo was extremely easy. You know, catching felt real. I mean, catching with the Pokeball Plus is super-duper easy. I felt like l- them losing out on the individual kind of like the individual part of the game, which was about raising guys. You know, I, I enjoyed those wild encounters personally, and seeing the game kind of lose that, it it feels like a step in the wrong direction. It feels like they're taking things and making things way too easy, and I feel like their gamer audience should be better than that. You know, they should know. I feel like they should know better for people that have played this a long time. Like, what I don't like is, you know, I saw some of the Treehouse gameplay, and what I ended up seeing was in order to get into the very first gym, which was Brock, he's a rock type trainer. In order to just step foot inside of the gym, you need a rock, you need a water or a grass type Pokemon, which I always chose Tarmander from the beginning of the game. And I never really, I didn't really like that personally. Huh. Well, I think it is supposed to kind of appeal to that little more accessible um, for people who like Pokemon Go, right? Mm-hmm. But even and, Go, and you don't. Care about their shirt issues, much, right? I don't know. I just think that's a. I think that's a weird, a weird little misstep. I think their gamer audience is a little bit smarter than what they're trying, what they basically gave us. Well, they do have the mainline game coming after, so yeah, that's the can, one I'm looking forward to doing. All right, I'm really curious 
you have Starlink written down. I'm really curious about this game because it was a game that was shown last year that had the Toys to Life sort of mechanic, like the shipbuilding thing. Um, but now this year they've sort of advertised it. It's more like um, uh, arcade shooter, but a little bit of No Man's Sky, and it's got Star Fox in it. So yep. did you did you play this? I did play this. So what ended up? So a little bit of backstory. Um, I don't know if you guys recall, but I did mention that I went and did my Nintendo appointment with Scott Clark from the Gaming Outsider, and. Scott Clark, uh, he, he actually really wanted to play Starlink. This was to him the game that he absolutely wanted to try. And when you're given a Nintendo Switch that basically has all the different games that they announced at E3 on it, he, I mean, it's just like, why not? You know, so we went ahead and tried this game. And it was a really interesting experience. I, it was a really interesting experience, to say the least. What exactly can I answer for you on this? Well, what did you do in the demo? Like, was it mostly combat or was there exploration? Or, or well, before we even get into that, did you was there like a toy ship there? Uh, the or toy did you ship for, just play. Uh, so for our demo, we we were upstairs. So there's the Nintendo booth, and then there's the upstairs for like the VIP and the press appointments and stuff. So that particular demo station did not have the toys. The toys were downstairs on the main floor demo, but. I didn't have the time to sit on the floor, and with an actual appointment anyway, there's no point. So, we actually, for our demo, it was just, you know, the standard pro controller, and they just put us in a combat experience right off the bat. So, how did that feel? Is it is it very much like Star Fox? See, that was the thing, is I was playing on Scott, on Scott... Scott's control scheme, which I he does I, for whatever reason for like a piloting game. I guess I'm like the inverted control scheme person for the camera and oh yeah, invert. He, I'm like kind of weird that way, and he did the other way. So I'm trying to translate all these. All I'm trying to translate the inverse form of that inside of my head and trying to play that on the game. But you know that was it wasn't a bad experience. Once I got used to it, it got it felt very natural, and you know the boss encounter wasn't bad at all. But it took a little bit of time to get used to for me. Yeah, but overall, like, what is like, what are you doing in the game? You're just shooting down ships, and is there exploration as well? I think there might be exploration. But you only really did combat. I mean, we didn't really get the chance to explore that in the demo. It was just a very much on the rails. Okay, you start in space. You're gonna land on a planet. You're gonna kill a boss. So, huh? I, I, I'm uh, this game's still a big question mark for me. I'm still not exactly sure what the lifespan of the game is going to be but it does look interesting it's on my radar for sure yeah all right we can probably talk about one more game Mm, so of this list that you have here you have overcooked 2 hitman 2 jump Force, soul Calibur 6 and super smash bros ultimate which one was your favorite i think super smash bros ultimate yeah and you're you've always been a smash fan I've liked Smash for quite a while, yeah. And this one is, it's a step up for sure. Do you think it's the best one? I think it is, personally. I think it's going to be the best one yet. I don't know if you heard, but everyone is here. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Everyone except for Waluigi, right, guys? (laughs) Yeah, and uh, somebody else, right? Drybone? Oh, no, Drybone's is in it, right? I don't remember seeing him. He might be an Echo Fighter, but I'm actually not sure about Drybone's. I'm not sure about that one. Poor Waluigi. He's not Or Waluigi. God dang. He's, he's at least an assist trophy. Yeah. He's a pretty bad character, though. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, cool. So, what did you play with the Pro Controller or Joy Con? We, 
it was the pro controllers. Joy Cons are just kind of inelegant for this, I think. I don't know. That's just me personally. Yeah, you can also. They also reveal that you can have a GameCube controller too, and they're like making a new one for this. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they should let it go. But I guess people love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they certainly spent a lot of time in a press conference talking about the tweaks to each character. I think they went through every character like twice, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Who did you play as, and uh, like, does this game feel a lot different? Does it feel a lot more refined than the previous two Smash games? Let's say. Okay, so we got when we talk about you know the gameplay on this, let's kind of go back to melee a bit, which was kind of like the fastest form of the gameplay, and then Brawl got a little bit more floaty, and then Smash Four on the Wii U is kind of somewhere in between. It's a little bit faster than Brawl, but not quite as fast as melee. I see with the new Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, they've stepped that up a notch and made it even fast. They made it faster than Super Smash Brothers 4, so it's approaching the level of melee. And as far as like, you know, individual character tweaks went, I I personally played with I played with the new champion Link, and I think he plays fantastically. I actually liked him a lot in the round that I happened to play with him. I actually happened to do really well with him because he's the character I'm the most familiar with. But the other character I gotta try was, you know, I gotta try Ridley. Oh, yeah. How did that go? He's, ooh, so he's a very powerful character. He's a very, very slow, powerful. right? He's a little bit slower, yes, but I do definitely see the appeal. When you actually hit his attacks, he hits like a truck. Huh. Yeah. And now, does he have flight and stuff, too? He does have a little bit of flight capabilities. I mean, it's not like long-lasting flight capabilities, obviously, but he does actually know how to fly, especially for his, like, Kind of like his up B move where you're just trying to get to like the ledge faster. He definitely does have a flight capability. Huh. Yeah, that's an interesting character. But I will say that I, I walk away from that conference. There, they didn't really add really any new characters. I mean, they added Ridley and they added the um, the Splatoon squid person. Yeah. <laughs> Inklings. Inklings. Sorry, I'm not versed in Splatoon. Um, and that's that's really it, right? Is Wario new or was he in the last game? Wario's been in the game for a while now. Oh, really? Yeah, even I think since, Brawl. like, Brawl. Yeah, even since Brawl. So that's really it? Those two? Actually, no. So basically what they were saying, was uh, Sakurai was saying during the conference was, um, you know, that even though there's going to be, there's not going to be a ton of new characters, but he said that what they showed at E3 definitely wasn't going to be it. So we might even see Waluigi at some point. You know, this game isn't finished yet. So I feel like all these people that are screaming about Waluigi, they may very well see him in the future. I mean, it may happen, it may not, but to kind of yell in Sakurai and kind of harass him over all these things, I think that's just really wrong. Yeah, well, I'm sure that Waluigi will be in it at some point. I'm sure there's going to be tons of DLC, but I guess I was sort of surprised when they did. They spent 30 minutes on the game, but like I thought that they would reveal like 10 new characters, you know? Nah, I think they wanted to show people just like what the what the new features of the game were going to be and see how it changed from Super Smash Brothers on the Wii U. Yeah, so you walked away from this demo feeling pretty good. What did you play for like thirty minutes? Uh, the demo for this one was we actually so we divided it up into four different games. We did the Super Smash Ultimate, we did the Pokemon Let's Go, we did Starlink for Scott, and the last game that we did was Overcooked. So basically, yeah. fifty minutes for each. So you walked away feeling pretty good about Smash? Definitely, yeah. Is day this one purchase. Day one purchase. Awesome. Jordan, you're going to pick up Smash on Switch and play with Brandon? I think I'll I'll play Smash. I think it's one of those should own for every Nintendo console sort of franchises. 
yeah, it, it's certainly fun. I just I just don't get addicted to it in hardcore. Like I could definitely it could definitely be like a rental. Like I play it for three or four days and and then I'm pretty much going to be good because <laughs> I probably won't jump online. Yeah. No, it's good to keep in your library, though. It's like it's a party game for sure. When people come over, you throw Smash in and then pass the controller around and everyone. I mean, everyone can play Smash because it's simple enough that it's easy to pick up, but deep enough that people that want to be, you know, competitive with it have a lot in there that they can use to become, you know, competitive. They can dig really deep into. There's a lot to Smash. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap up the show there for today. Well, Brendan, I want to thank you so much for, uh, for uh, giving us all your impressions of of the show and everything, and, and making some time in your schedule to uh, join us on the podcast, so thanks so much. What do you got going on this week? We working on? Well, this week I'm probably just gonna finish up the remainder of my E3 stories, and I think for basically the remainder of the summer, I'm actually gonna start focusing on different professional experiences for my own development, as far as you know, pharmacy is because I'm rapidly approaching my third year of pharmacy school and I want to start actually starting to create a specialty for myself. So that's what my summer is going to be. Very nice. And Jordan, then you're off to mini Las Vegas, right? Is what you were telling me? That's right. Big old Wendover, Utah to spend some time with family. Um, after that, just play some video games, hang out, kind of kind of the normal. Well, that's, I've never heard of that place, but it sounds like it's, it's pretty pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of people outside of uh, northern Utah and I guess kind of southern Idaho have. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. That's our show for this week. As always, you can subscribe to GPS on various podcast services, including iTunes, Stitcher, the iPhone podcast app, CastBox, and all RSS feed. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Northern Frost. Jordan, where are you? underscore jordan aslett underscore on twitter is a, a great place to follow me i'm just throwing out a lot of screenshots of vampire kind of teasing ben getting ben to eventually play it um sounds like we've made a little progress today you might be picking that one up again maybe um yeah definitely send me some screenshots when you do all right um, otherwise yeah just hit me up with questions comments I always love talking with people about games and just about everything else cool and brandon where are you at on twitter or social media as far as social media goes, if you want to catch me on Twitter, I'm just using this Gamer Professional Twitter account, which is at GamerProsNews. Or you can find me on Facebook using just a search of my name, and you'll find, you'll probably just find me that way too. I mean, Facebook, I'm on most social media sites, but Twitter, as far as game industry type stuff, that's where you can find me the most. At awesome. GamerProsNews. Awesome. And check out the site at GamerPros.co. We have a lot of E3 coverage from a lot of different talented writers. Um, you can submit questions to be read on the air to GPS, uh, which is ben at gamerpros.co, the email address. You can also check out our Patreon page if you got a buck or two to spare. We very much appreciate that. Thank you to Visager for providing the music for the show. You can check out more of their stuff on the free music archive. And thank you for listening. And we will see you next week.